Hi everyone, I'm Mike, and welcome to the first episode of the Modern Agilist Podcast. We're so excited that you're here joining us today, and regardless of wherever you are in your expertise of Agile, rookie or expert, Rick, Justice, and I are here to help you become equipped, empowered, and prepared to master large-scale software delivery. In this very first episode, the three of us will share our backgrounds, current roles, and areas of expertise and interests. With me now is Rick and Justice. Rick, go ahead and kick us off. Good to be here, guys. Um, give you a little bit of background about myself and kind of where what I'm doing now and where I'm interested. And it's just should mention, too, that I, I work with Mike and Justice every day. So good to have a conversation where we can kind of share a little bit about uh, our interests, our passions. Um, so my background um, is pretty interesting, but maybe not atypical for that of a of an agilist or a scrum master. Um, but I started um, a while back working primarily on mobile apps, stuff like that. I worked for a couple of larger companies, Bank of New York Mellon, Giant Eagle, which is a um, you know regional food chain around here. Worked in their technology department, Dick Sporting Goods. Uh, all through those those jobs, those outfits, I was working as um, a developer. Um, so I was, you know, acclimated and starting to understand how iterative development and you know, agile principles kind of came into play um, as I was doing that. But uh, then I started working as a consultant a little while later um, for Thermo Fisher Scientific and, you know, was doing some analysis for them and started kind of becoming that, I guess, tr more traditional project manager. Uh, we called it a scrum master role because it was, the, you know, that, that agilist feeling for a few teams, um, but, you know, really, really traditional project management. And I got a call one day saying, hey, um, would you be interested being a scrum master for UPMC Enterprises? Uh, this is something that we're trying to kind of gear up and do for a bunch of teams. They had a lot of different efforts going on at the time. And I said, cool, what's UPMC Enterprises? Never heard of it. Uh, so, you know, that's uh, something that I explored a little bit. And, you know, sure enough, I, I, uh, I got on board there. I was, was doing Scrum Master role for a few teams, which then expanded into a handful of teams. And it grew into, you know, that handful of teams that were doing, you know, some interrelated feature work, development work and some other stuff. Um, and just kind of grew into that role there at Enterprises, which is where I still am, work with these guys um, at a, kind of a branch of UPMC Enterprises called My UPMC. I'll let these guys elaborate a little bit more on what we do day to day. But, um, you know, work, I've been working with Enterprises for close to six years now and uh, My UPMC for getting, getting close to two years now. So it's been great. Um, and we've been fortunate enough to have a lot of latitude um, and uh, flexibility in what we do and how we introduce the best practices that are right for uh, my UPMC in particular. Uh, so we've been able to kind of craft our brand of Agile, uh, pulling bits and pieces from different, different you know, frameworks, different brands of Agile and kind of make it our own. Uh, so that's, that's going to be, I think, a real uh, interesting thing that we'll talk about throughout this podcast as we bring people on, as we talk about different topics, it'll be from our perspective. Um, so that's kind of my background and that's what I'm doing now. You know, I work every day with these guys, like I said, uh, in that agilist sense. My area of expertise though, and I think, uh, I think we all said we were going to talk a little bit about, you know, our background and what we do, but also like why we do what we do or where we fit in. 
you know, my area of expertise is, you know, have that development background, but also I'm incredibly interested in the data behind things, Uh, you know, why things happen, what, if you pull this lever or you pull that lever, if you press this button, what impact is it going to have? And that data doesn't always necessarily translate to performance or to team stuff. It also is some of the social stuff, you know, Hey, if you poke this, group or if you talk to this person what kind of trickle down effect is that going to have you know how do you set things up and put things into motion that are going to be beneficial to the teams that you work with or to the people we work with so uh, there's still data behind that hey i did this you know cause uh you know cause and result or whatever that's called you know did this um this is what happened and so we can kind of start to see trends even with non-numerical data so that that kind of stuff really interests me. Um, the reason I think that that ultimately interests me, because again, going back to some some logical and some development roots, I can say, hey, look, social engineering or anything like that. But this is, you know, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. And if you experiment with this, this is what will change. Uh, so I've, I've kind of kept on that thread. So that's that's my area of expertise. In addition to that, I would say too, and I think uh, specifically Justice, who I've worked with a little longer than Mike would, would attest to. Um, I like to just get stuff done. Um, you know, I, I can think, you know, in the abstract or, you know, what's next, but I'm not the best at that. I'm better, I would say, at figuring out, again, based on what I just said, how then do we get the next right thing done? How do we put it into motion and accomplish that in the, in the constraints that we have? So that's, um, that's kind of what I like to bake into my, my day-to-day. Um, but I do have some other areas of interest too, you know, uh, outside of just the, the, the work world, you know, I, I, I try to be well-rounded and, and get into different things. I like, uh, you know, gardening. I like uh, playing musical instruments. Um, and uh, I don't know if they all have a direct impact on what I do day to day in my professional career, but um, you know, I'm not just a, I try to not be just a one trick pony where it's work, sleep, work some more. Um, and I think that can be beneficial too, uh, to, to anybody who's doing anything really, you know, don't have one interest. So that's, that's a little bit about me. Justice, why don't, why don't you give your uh, background a little bit? Well, that's a, that was good stuff, Rick, man. That's a hard one to follow, man. Uh, <clears throat> my name is uh, Justice Condor and um, I took a circuitous route to find myself in, among these among these guys in this whole ecosystem. Uh, like Rick, I started as a developer and uh, <clears throat> my personality is always trying to branch out and then create what doesn't exist yet and kind of uh, make connections and, and um, kind of discover new areas of, uh, I don't know, product market fit and entrepreneurial type stuff. And so, um, after being a developer for a few years and trying my hand at some entrepreneurial stuff and startup culture, um, I, I hit on a few wins. And one of them was a software company called Ghost Army Software, which was a business automation company. And um, what happened was is uh, the Ghost Army Software got acquired and the company that purchased it was like, okay, well, we need you to scale up this whole product and integrate all our other products, which at that, at that point would have required a whole team, uh, engineering team. 
And so they said, well, build the team. And so suddenly I found myself in a position of not writing code as much or pushing code, but finding engineers, building a team, and then like leading that team, right? <clears throat> now, after, after that huge push, which went on for a little more than a year, um, through the whole acquire process and build and integration, um, I, I got bought out and I took some, took some time off. And after taking that time off and, you know, time off to study and write, which is what I naturally enjoy doing, I found myself needing to enter back into a job market and not really sure like what my fit was going to be. You don't necessarily put on your resume like I'm an entrepreneur, right? Um, and it had been some time since I wrote code and I was, you know, it's just different level of competition. You stop doing that for two weeks and you're, you lost it. You're old. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so I was like, man, I think this is the fit here. This scrum master agile practitioner. And so it's, it's in that capacity that I sought to enter back into the job market. It seemed like it was the closest fit to my previous uh, function. Right. And so that's how I found myself in, in this scene. Um, <clears throat> strictly speaking, I, I am a scrum master. I like to say program agilist because that plays into like, my personal philosophy on where I think a lot of this space where it's heading. Um, I've been at UPMC Enterprises for almost three years, worked with Rick extremely close. And a lot of my ideas have all been kind of forged through like long conversations we've had and working through the problems that we've faced. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I constitutionally kind of tend to gravitate to teaching opportunities and to teams who may need temporary extra attention, you know, so to come in and, and, and like a crack a big, a big problem or come in and provide some extra help there. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, my, the interest that first brought me into enterprises was a moving from um, serving one or two teams to a large number of teams and trying to learn more and put into practice uh, scaled agile and not a particular flavor, but just what works, what doesn't, what are the options? And that fascinated me so much that when enterprises said, Hey, here's what we're going to be planning on doing. I was just like, I really want to, I would jump at the opportunity. Right. My areas of expertise um, are um, tech stacks. I, I still am very much, engaged and plugged into software development and what do modern tech stacks look like. So I, I enjoy that. Um, agile methodologies, obviously, and also uh, Web3 technologies, including uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency. Um, I, I really get into that from the standpoint of like what Web3 can do from a hum human coordination standpoint. Right. And so like, what would it mean if we could translate a lot of what we do informally through certain just conventions or processes, if we converted that into smart contracts or decentralized autonomous organizations or digital organizations such that to provide like a whole nother kind of futuristic level of um, disintermediated human coordination. And so that's how I see those two things kind of overlapping. 
Um, so you could say my, my areas of interest really are quantifying and formalizing the things that work in software delivery and kind of recreating th those, trying to recreate those through software tools um, to better equip teams so the teams can manage themselves and to kind of supercharge the power of the Agilist so that a single person with the right tool set and the right approach can more can, can better serve like many, many teams rather than the, how this whole thing started, which was a single Agilist with a single team. So that's my background. I'm happy to be here. I love to chat about new stuff and I love working with these guys. So I'm, I'm stoked to be on the show. Yeah. I, you know, I, I just want to jump into just, you know, having worked with justice at length for some time, you know, it's, it's been really interesting to see somebody who, you know, I, I don't think you mentioned it enough to be honest with you. You are always thinking of the next thing, you know, the, the strengths that you mentioned play really nicely into. And I just, just as, as somebody observing, you know, you're always thinking, what is the next thing? What is the next right thing? Is this something that we can do? Uh, so it's been nice to work with somebody who's thinking that way, and then we can put it into practice. So, Kudos Yeah, there. thank you, Rick. And uh, I will second that with, it's nice to have someone who's, uh, who can execute on vision, because I can be, have some deep bags on vision <laughs> without execution, man, we ain't going nowhere, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been good. It's been good. All right, Mike. What's up? The newbie. The, the noob. Yeah, I'm the uh, I'm the noob in this great trifecta we have going here. If you're listening in and you're new to Agile, I'm in the same camp with you. And hopefully, throughout our podcast episodes, I'll be asking the same questions you want answered. But as far as my background goes in the Agile world, um, I recently just obtained my Scrum certification uh, about a few months ago. I have to give credit to my previous occupation for spiking an interest in Agile which was radio producing. Um, I was a radio producer for five plus years. And some of you may be thinking, you know, how does radio producing, how does that role mix with the Agilus role? Well, there is a common thread, and that thread is KPIs, key performance indicators, which are basically metrics. Part of my role as a radio producer was to check on the show's health by viewing the numbers of listeners, um, the numbers of downloads, and the numbers of, subscri of subscribers each program has. And as Agilists, we inspect and adapt. And if the show is doing well, we inspect why and continue to use the positive trends that help make the program great. So it's the common thread when it comes to software delivery, when you're inspecting the overall health of a team and how fast you can ship usable software. Metrics are what piqued my interest in becoming an Agilist, you know. As for my expertise in the world of Agile, uh, <laughs> Justice and Rick would, would probably disagree to this, but I'm still learning the framework, so I can't really say I have a huge exper expertise in a specific area of Agile. Um, but if I had to pick, I'd say I'd somewhat have an expertise in reading KPIs for teams and using that to help with the team health, you know. I'm doing that now in my current role as an Agilist for UPMC Enterprises, and I've been loving it. Uh, it's been great work to work with uh, Rick and Justice, and uh, UPMC Enterprises is a great place to work at. So, uh, and as far as my areas of interest, uh, I'd have I'd have to go back to the metrics again. I I just I I just love the numbers game. Yeah, I, Mike, it's it's cool you being kind of the new person on the crew, and you're coming from a pretty significant different 
significantly different background. You know, it's been interesting to see uh, working with you, you know, kind of starting to coach you in the ways of agile, you know, not to sound weird or anything like that, but, you know, whole iterative development, software delivery, that kind of stuff, you know, you're still learning that, but it's been interesting to see uh, how you identify different areas of, you know, different gaps, different areas of need. Um, you look at it from a different, using a different lens than, than Justice and I, I think. Um, so it's cool that you mentioned like with, with KPIs, key performance indicators and stuff like that, um, you know, which ones make the most sense. And I think it's kind of uh, bridges that gap a little bit too, between, you know, the hardcore numeric empirical data and the, you know, the soft skills um, that you have that I certainly don't have. Um, I think, <laughs> I think the three of us will agree. I, for example, I got onto, and since this is a podcast and we're talking agile, I'll, I'll, give uh i'll just throw out something for conversation's sake but um you know i got onto a call last week with you mike and it was pretty early in the morning and we were discussing something and i think i just asked a question i was just like okay so what do you think about this no good mornings you know no how are you doing not not asking if you were ready <laughs> straight further. to the point and i i that's that's a huge without being too kumbaya about agile and agilist and frameworks you know that's a huge skill um to to have those those soft skills that's a huge um a bonus I, I guess is the the way i'm looking at it so it's been nice to see you you have that you know kind of baked in that i don't always do so. <laughs> appreciate that yeah yeah, yeah. So I have a question. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say is I've seen kind of a common thread throughout most like technical uh, careers is the emphasis to grow their soft and their hard skills, hard skills in parallel, right? Mm. Because um, when you when you have both of those on deck, there's you know you're there's no stopping you, right? Um, but I'll, I'll say this as a counterpoint to those soft skills, I have met people who had crazy soft skills mm. and then when we got into the grit and we needed to like actually understand and determine and measure and make a call i thought oh man we should have probably checked this person's ability to use a computer a little more closely <laughs> 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 we should have maybe unpacked this at a deeper level before yeah. this point you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's difficult it's difficult too to have those those soft skills but also those technical skills in the world we're living in now i mean we're doing this podcast via zoom right so it's it's weird this this whole i'm not getting into the COVID 19 thing but it is it's a new challenge for for agilists for for pms for po's for for devs even to communicate effectively uh and either you know hammer out some problems or to talk with each other and communicate in a i would say semi-remote world that we're living in so that, that whole that whole remote new thing i know it's been kind of beat to death and everyone's like hey, remote 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 but th that's a thematic thing i could see coming up on this on this show from time to time because the nature of facilitating a session the nature of how you interact with people it that is such a kind of a big part of being an agilist and working with teams and all this and uh and i feel like if i'm not level up my skills in that way in a way that's native to the remote way of working then uh then i'm on my way out you know it's very important yeah yeah i mean i there's a there's definitely a trickle down there too it's like how do we level up individually our skills right how do we organize process and teams around the whole remote you know remote first lifestyle uh and then also on top of that you know 
what is the best way and how do you measure the ring too? That whole measurement is hard. Um, you know, I actually kind of like the whole idea of, you know, flexible scheduling and remote because, you know, just having somebody's butt in a seat doesn't mean they're being productive. Doesn't mean that there's a contribution there or, um, you know, doesn't mean that they're moving the needle in any way, but, but, uh, now you have a real challenge is not only can you just walk up to the person and say, what are you working on? What's going on? You're struggling and anything like that, but now you got to figure out, okay, how do you measure, you know, what they're doing? How do you measure that what we're doing as agilists is helping them or making a difference? Um, it's a whole new set of challenges. So Mike, I, Mike, I have a question for you. Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot here for this initial kind of go around. And I think this will be giving the listeners a little bit of flavor of, you know, how this will go. Justice alluded to, hey, this is an example of a topic that we'll have. But also, I mean, from your perspective, um, being new to this this world, you know, working in the agile world, what has been maybe your greatest challenge and also maybe your thus far, your your, your biggest rewarding moment? That's a good question, Rick. Um I'd say one of my first challenges as an agilist was trying to get more feedback from teams during retrospectives. Um, not to get too deep in the weeds, but if you're listening and, and you're new and you're asking what a retrospective is, is it's it's one of the four ceremonies or events that occur in Scrum, which is normally held at the end of a sprint. And, it, and it's a meeting with the team to identify how to improve teamwork by reflecting on, on what worked, what didn't work, and, and why. And one of the challenges I had... Um, as an agilist was uh, with one team was that it was tough to get answers and feedback from that specific team it, it was pretty dry um, fortunately uh, Rick I remember you had to schedule the three of us to, to attend uh, virtually the agile 2021 conference and, and what I learned from one of the sessions there was that other agilists were having the same exact issue uh, especially now with working remotely it's, it's it's a little bit more challenging to to get feedback from people um, but a variety of ways was shared on how to combat that um, and one of them was <laughs> was just as simple as calling team members out like individually uh, for example John Smith you know why do you think the why do you think the sprint went so well why do you think it didn't um, just simply calling them out and just pulling feedback from them uh, another tool that that was discussed, or one tool that was discussed, um, was a software called Miro, um, and it's it, it was it's pretty useful. It's basically um, the teams get into a meeting, you, you send them a, a link to the Miro board, and there's sections, there's boxes that you could that you could label like what went well, what didn't go well, why didn't go well, why didn't it go well, and what are the some of what are some of the takeaways. Um, and what you can do is in this board is you can get there, there's sticky notes on the side that you can click and drag into each board and you can write your, your answers or your feedback onto that sticky note. Um, and what's neat about it is you can remain anonymous. So, you know, anybody can put whatever they want without feeling threatened of getting called out. But to answer the question of what was the most rewarding, uh, I, I would say so far getting those two answers and applying them um, to the retrospectives is, has been pretty fruitful. So that's been nice. How about you, Justice? Oh, man. <clears throat> I would say this, that <clears throat> any technical problem to try to solve 
has a, a limited amount of feel good when you solve it. Okay. Because you're comparing apples to apples. Right. Right. What we're trying to do is quantify something that is intrinsically not entirely an apple, mm-hmm. which is suddenly exceedingly interesting. It's almost like um, trying to create uh, models for the weather. Now, if you're in material engineering, somewhat of a solved problem. You know the tensile strength of this material. You know all these facts. You can basically software kick out these things. But if you're trying to predict weather, uh-huh. you will forever be trying to refine your yeah. methods and approaches because it's bordering on the edge of the unpredictable. In a similar way, too many groups, many, many people have relegated what we do in the form of you know software delivery as something that's just not solvable it's a soft deal and all this and i'm just like i just i refuse to accept that at face value i still see this as comparable to modeling the weather right it's not a lost cause there's much to be gained in fact there's so much to be gained that people have left on the table because they've relegated it as a non-predictable type endeavor Um, there's there's an unlimited amount of money in being able to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite quotes is that Mick Kirsten, and uh, yep. the quote is used a lot in the Scaled Agile framework. And it says, um, <clears throat> you know, those who define large scale software delivery will define the economic landscape of the 21st century. And the first time I read that quote, I said, you know what? I wanna define the economic landscape of the 21st century. Let's figure this out. And so from a studious kind of problem solver, that's where my imagination has went. And, um, and I feel like I'm very far from arriving, but I'm starting on the journey. And the problem is large enough, I think, to carry me all the way through the rest of my career and trying to solve this. So does that answer that question? Yeah. 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 I think it does. I, I mean, I'll, I'll just tack on to that too. You know, one of the, one of the things is that I think that, um, and justice, I'm, I'm certainly not disparaging what you're saying. I'm, I'm kind of marrying the thought here. One of the areas though, that I think there's a gap and, you know, let me put it this way. There are people, like you said, who just kind of go through the motions. I've got a framework. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is my job. I'm not going to explore much more past that kind of like what you alluded to. Then there are others who really push things and say, how do I figure this out? How do I make this work? How do I make this right? And how do I master software delivery? And, you know, maybe you can even change the word. How do I master large scale delivery? How do I master delivery? You know, this, these, these principles can be used in many ways, manufacturing software, whatever, but there, there are the people that do that. And Here's the thing that I think there's still a miss on, and this is what really jazzes me up and where I think that, you know, my area of expertise of, okay, now, now we put the next thing in practice, right? We've, we've implemented the next thing. How do we measure the difference or the impact that that's having or the difference that it's making the impact? And that's what challenged me. And this is why I think we've had a good kind of working partnership is that, you know, you look to see, okay, what can we do to try to wrap our minds around this to deliver better, faster, more quality products and understand it? And I'd like to look at, okay, great. But is that the right thing for what we're doing now or where we are now? Is that the right next stepping stone? And then how do we, how do we know if it is or isn't? How do we measure that? So this is why I said we had a good partnership before because you're looking and saying, okay, let's move the needle. Let's get better. Let's, let's improve. And I'm looking at, okay, 
let's make sure we're improving. Let's make sure we're improving because maybe we need to make a U-turn at some point or branch off of something. So it's very interesting to me. It it never ends because let's say we had some insane breakthrough and we were like, you know what? We're delivering so effectively. Even then we haven't arrived because are we delivering the right thing? And then that in and of itself, can we define that objectively? Mm -hmm. What could we use to define that objectively? There's certainly, we could do more objectively. Right. So it's, it's a really fascinating thing. And I, I, um, there's there's a like you mentioned there are people who are just check in check out type stuff and i imagine it's easy maybe to get into this kind of scene and and to <clears throat> perceive yourself and be perceived by others as just a glorified meeting facilitator yeah but if your heart is in this and you're truly trying to solve problems the, the sky's the limit on 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 the challenges present here you know and i think you know, what we're talking about right now, you know, here's a little teaser for the listener of uh, a couple things that, um, you know, that we can kind of prep them to get ready for hearing from, you know, we're like Mike said, we're going to bring in some other agilists. We're going to talk about different topics, but you know, a lot of those things are going to revolve around the what's next, the bleeding edge, the, our brand of agile, why we did what we did. Um, how what we did made a difference or made, you know, uh, a difference in the way that we didn't expect, you know, good or bad. Um, you know, some of the other things are, you know, how do we improve our skill set based on where we are right now? What's the next kind of wave in terms of remote versus in person? Or what does that look like? All these things are things we're going to discuss. And I'll just put it out there, you know, after talking to these guys and, you know, thinking myself, we won't have all the answers but we want to have the discussion. We want to start planting the seeds and bringing in other experts and, you know, referencing different materials and just have a podcast dedicated to the discussion and exploration around what makes a modern agilist. And that's going to wrap up our first episode of the modern agilist podcast, where we examine and discuss all things related to agile and large scale software delivery. You can find our latest episodes on Apple podcast, Google podcast, and Spotify. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can get notified anytime that we upload a new podcast. Thanks for listening and have a great day.